Good morning. Welcome to this episode of Outdoor Gear Chat. Oh, it's not as bad as I thought it was. So for, for, for our, our lovely listeners, I get a message saying, uh, when you log on, just hit record immediately. And so uh, with some apprehension, I log on. It's, it, it, it could be, it could be, it could have been worse. This, <laughs> this episode is is descending already. It is is tense. Erections of all sizes, <laughs> and I I am joined. Where are you, where are you? Your tent's got Wi Fi. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm in my tent, Wayne. <laughs> High, high on the hill. You're not attached. It's not one of those climbing platforms where you're attached to a mountainside. Out. No, not not on this occasion. No, no. I was going to pitch on my front garden because I could get my Wi-Fi there. But we do have builders uh, <laughs> working on the road, so that wouldn't be convenient. So I am actually going to have to exit my tent because I'm extremely hot. Is it really hot? <laughs> in the salubrious location of. My lounge. <laughs> a lounge. <laughs> That's ruined the illusion completely. In my lounge. <laughs> ruined, ru- ruined the illusion. What was the head torch for? Well, I thought it was a bit dark, actually. It's, probably, <laughs> it's supposed to be really, really nice. I'm putting it in my side storage pocket now. Well, you know, I've got a whole load of pockets in my tent here. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's such hot weather, but it's really overcast here. I don't know what it's yeah. like for you in the... Same, same, same here. It says it's grey and grey and murky but still very warm um but yeah and not the weather to be sat in your lounge inside a tent recording a podcast (laughs) 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 i like that we just have we just have a moment for you to to cool down um so we are going to be talking about tents today Uh, a lot of a lot of um a lot of questions to ask and yeah i guess you've you've just outlined one of the beautiful things that, that, that that i like about my tents is the pockets the ability to be able to stuff stuff in certain certain places, and when you come back from a, a camping expedition, wherever that is, and somebody's lost something, the chances are it's in one of the pockets in a tent somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, packed, <laughs> packed away carefully. I think yeah. uh, pockets are the are the bane of my life. My husband is like Mister Uber tent tidy, so he knows where everything is. Everything's folded. Everything's got a right place, and I perpetually. Um, scratching around in my pile of rubbish on my side of the tent <laughs> trying to find like oh no where's my and a little hand will just pop out holding the sock that I'm looking there for like, yeah, oh, where's yeah. the car key? and then like a hand will arrive <laughs> with the car keys so consequently if I go away camping on my own bizarrely I am Mrs Uber organized because it, it does my head in <laughs> yeah <laughs> right tidy fairy with me <laughs> So and and you've ju- you've just been on recently been on a, a a solo expedition, haven't you? Do we will we get to talk about that later on in the in in this in this cast? Or do you think? Uh, we can. I mean, I think expedition is a little generous. It was. It was. It well. It was. It was. It was the wild the wilds of the Eden Valley in Cumbria. <laughs> Yorkshire Dales yeah that that well known uh, <laughs> area. It's wild. It's wild. <laughs> Uh, there was there um, was one wild spot, but uh, no, it was, it was just a little two day foray off on my own, and just me and my bivy bag and uh, uh, and my stove. But that's the brilliant thing. Like sometimes you just don't even need a tent. Um, you don't need any form of erection. Are we going to see how many times we can get double on? Yeah, well, I think I think I think we should we should we should we, should, we <laughs> well maybe, maybe that should be the question that we ask is how many times <laughs> do we say the word erection? Um, 
I know we're not running a competition on this one, are we? No, so, and, well, well, and, and uh, you and I have had a conversation recently about tarps as well, haven't we? So um, yeah. that's, that's my, uh, my well, my, my, the majority of my tasks today are about sorting out my expedition for next week. Anyway, go on, yeah. let, let, let's crack on with some subject matter um, specifically. So how do I decide what size of tent that I need? So especially, I'm, I'm six foot six, I'm like 90 odd kilos, quite wide shouldered. One man ten, not a chance. No, I mean that. Yeah, it, it it's something you really need to pay attention on when you're buying a tent. Not a hasty process, the tent purchase, mm. I have to say. Um, uh, but the diagrams showing internal and external dimensions that you'll get with all quality tents are definitely what you really, really, really need to concentrate on, particularly if you're tall as as you are, um, because a lot of lightweight tents, in particular, will scrimp on internal space. Um, uh, squint perhaps is a little <laughs> that's a little harsh um that's where they shave it off yeah yeah they'll cut them to yeah they're, they're trying to literally shave millimeters of, of weight off anywhere they possibly can um but look at internal length definitely because you need to be able to lay down comfortably if you're pushing against the ends of your tent you're going to have condensation issues you might end up wet with wet feet um a cold head um but uh, not just laying down either a really really important measurement is the height the internal height so for example if you're stuck in a tent in a storm and you can't sit up with your head straight um i can actually in this one here because yeah, it's an exhibition tent purely designed yeah. for that purpose um but uh, if it's a super lightweight tent and you can't you're stuck in your tent for a few days and you can't sit up and you've got to have your head your neck bowed over that gets really really painful and really really irritating um so absolutely make sure that internal height um is there for you as well and then yeah and then i guess it is so i'm, I'm i know yeah the people are listening out it's not going to be relevant but how many people can you fit in that one that you're you're in at the moment is that two person or is it it is it's, it's classed as a two person now there's actually no industry norm of a person measurement yeah well <laughs> I, I, I was hoping it was going to lead on to that to be honest. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, and that kind of person measurement, it just gives you an idea. So one, two, three, four, five. Um, one person is going to be snug for one person. Um, if it's you and a child, you might get away with a one and a half person. You can get one and a half person tent, yeah. for sure. Um, this one, you could fit two people. Or that measurement as well is actually for two people laying down um and uh, laying together but also take a look at the diagrams because they might show bodies laying shoulder to shoulder or they might show bodies laying um toe to shoulder so if you imagine a tent say a four-person tent um that allows for four people laying in the same direction shoulder to shoulder that's going to need to be wider than a tent that's allowing four people to lay down toes to shoulder, if you like. So if they're laying in opposing directions, that's going to use that. That's going to um, require far less internal space. So that's something to watch out for as well. Yeah, good. And yeah, and I, I have a, a, an unhappy memory of sharing a, a, a one-man tent with my mate Chris. Uh, I had Chris when when Recky in the spine. Uh, we we spent the night in the field near Crowden, and, and uh, yeah, it was it was very unpleasant. But yeah, we, we yeah we man we managed to do it, didn't we, Chris? I spooned spooned him all night. Um, yeah, I think the biggest we've had five people in a two person tent. That was the uh, the, the most. Uh, that wasn't a comfortable night either. Incredibly <laughs> snug, isn't it? Yeah, you're not getting much sleep from that. All I you just yeah, yeah that's it is. Uh, 
the embodiment of the survival stuff more than anything. And then, yeah, I guess, like you say, then there's, yeah, if you're in a one person tent, you've got the potential for a dog or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Possibly in there as well. But I guess, yeah, again, the question that I was going to ask was about um, cooking and stuff like that mm. as well. With, within those, I've got a really, really lightweight one person tent, which has just no, no external space whatsoever. Yeah. So there's nowhere to cook or anything like that. There's no, you know, it's a grand term, obviously. There's no awning or porch or anything like that. No yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that one. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Lost, lost it now. To to be able to change, yeah, change your clothes or take even take your boots off without being inside. Or, or, yeah. yeah, and that's fine if cook. you're in a in a dry climate, isn't it? It's no problem yeah. at all. But um, if uh, if you're in a good old British soggy climate, um, it can take some uh, some pretty uh, nifty um, uh, and strategic planning to stay dry um, when you cook or even just coming back to the tent um, and, and if you're doing an overnight you want to keep everything as dry as possible um, it can it takes a real knack to get used to that so the, the little um, trip that you very kindly called an expedition of mine the other week um, it was just me and the baby bag and the first night was dry that was fine so I could cook outside it was absolutely no problem the second night was um, very damp um, and that's when I had to really start thinking because um, potentially I could have spent another night out but actually I was absolutely jiggered by the uh, the following day so I decided to call it a day but I did pack everything up so that I could have had a second night out but uh, and that was just a case of finding a, a tree um, uh, finding uh, a barn <laughs> that I could cook in. Um, it wasn't particularly the most hygienic of conditions, um, but uh, but that was it was dry and uh, and I could get my uh, Medina cooked and I could eat it. Um, uh, and then came the delicate task of getting your uh, uh, sleeping mat and your sleeping bag into the baby bag and then you in the sleeping bag without getting the whole lot soaking wet. Um, but uh, yeah, I had to dig deep into some memory reserves there but managed yeah. to do it had a very comfortable <laughs> night uh where right it for the local church um i just settled down to sleep and it was bell ringing practice <laughs> brilliant brilliant yeah yeah no no consideration these bell ringers no no it serves me right for being in a field out the back of the pub doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and and that I guess yeah, you mentioned the question of uh, the question about uh, British British yeah British summer I guess in many respects, but about seasons as well, and the, and and then that sort of leads into the type and the uh, I don't know the yeah the shape the shapes isn't it yeah that's yeah the, yeah well seasons it's a bit of a misleading word really because the the term season is there to sort of to give you an idea of how weatherproof and how strong a tent mm. is rather than it can just be used in the spring summer autumn or it can be used all year round um because there is the anomaly of the fifth season the five season yeah, yeah exactly yeah. um so your three season tent um that's ideal for most sort of typical outdoor adventures and um, they offer great value for money um, and they're generally made of lighter materials or certainly the ones that we stock you know most can handle heavy rain and light dusting of snow but they're not designed to withstand extended periods of bad weather um, they're there to you know, or they, they reduce weight and um, they aid venting in warmer weather through design really so there's a lot of mesh involved yeah um and uh, which and which allows... is which is good in warmer weather but it not is. so good when it's raining yeah no, so, no, no, no. Found, yeah. Out. 
might yeah, not keep mozzies yeah. out, but it keeps the midges out. Nothing keeps yeah. the mozzies out. Um, four season tent, um, that's designed for severe weather. So that's going to be made of higher specification uh, fabrics, poles, um, can take the weight of snow, for example, sustained high winds. Um, and warmth is important as well. So there's less mesh or there's um, doors that you can zip over the mesh, if you like. Mm. Um, as soon as you start using less mesh, you then affect the breathability and there can be a condensation issue. So it is really important to know and understand condensation um, and how to manage your tent environment particularly if you're cooking, although it's not advisable to cook inside your tent. Yeah, Sometimes you yeah. have to, there's no choice, but that's where a tarp comes in. Um, they're just fantastic. You can set one of those up and that's your outdoor kitchen and your gear store. Perfect. Then you've got tons of space in your tent. Um, five season tents, those are designed solely for expedition use. Um, so they're made to the highest specification, like this little one here that I'm sitting in. Um, and they're designed for extreme weather and they've got unique features. So this one, for example, um, has got, I think the term is extended vestibule, as opposed yeah. to then, things have moved on a bit. Um, but what tickled me most is I think the designers were having a laugh because this one's purple. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you can have, um, so this one has got internal poles. So basically you could actually use it as a bivy bag. You could just crawl in um, and then you can put the poles up inside. Um, it's also a single skin. Uh, which is again ideal for a high cold snowy environment um, much like your breathable waterproof jackets the single skin tent um, will work best in in dry cold ironically I know they're designed for <laughs> wet weather yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, it is really only designed for that kind of condition um, we did have a customer a while ago um, who'd uh, uh, come back to us um, with a tent he purchased online and uh, was concerned it was leaking really badly. He'd used it for one night on Scarfell. Um, in his mind, um, it was an expedition tent that he bought for high altitude climbing um, because he, he was, you know, Scarfell was the pinnacle of his climbing. It was fantastic. He, he bought, you know, the, the, the best thing for the job in, in his yeah. mind. Um, unfortunately, it leaked like a sieve. It wasn't actually leaking. Um, it was there was so much condensation. Condensation. Yeah. It was just running off and pooling on the floor. So we had a chat with him and we sorted him out and explained why you know this wasn't ideal for, for what he was doing and uh, and got him sorted no problem. But it's a very easy trap to fall in and that's why we keep sort of banging on about coming in, chatting to us, talking to us. We've um, spent too many horrible, uncomfortable nights out um to to want to wish that on any of our customers so yeah exactly you just well. yeah you want to share it don't you and and i guess as importantly you've spent so much cash on failed kit you know <sighs> and by failed kit i mean it's not the right stuff for it's the job not, that you not, want. not yeah. for the job that you're wanting to do yeah, or the yeah. environment you're going to you know it's really Indeed. important to take that into consideration when you're buying a, a tent in particular again because it's a high high value item yeah yeah and so so yeah the, you, the, you do a little bit about seasons there but what about the tent shapes then what's mm. what's that all about so you're the one that you've got there is relatively domey for one of the this better, is a dome. Yeah, better yeah yeah so a dome has just got um uh, a simple dome we'll have two poles that cross over at the apex um and that's uh often, they've often got two doors which is handy sometimes two um vestibules as well um so you don't have to climb over your tent buddy in the night when you need a wee it can be quite handy or you can have a dry and a wet entrance that also can <laughs> make a difference yeah maybe. yeah um there's also ridge tents that's the old traditional um 
uh, two apexes with a line in between. So um, if you did your DV back in the day, the Van Gogh Force 10, which is absolutely mm. mega tent. Yeah, they went on Everest expeditions, DV expeditions, you name it, they were fantastic. Um, so that's your, your standard ridge tent, uh, classic shape tent. Um, really quite sturdy when they're pitched correctly, um, but they can be more sensitive to high winds if the wind shifts. Or the wind starts slapping the sides and so on. Yeah, and pitching your tent is really critical as well. That's an art form as well. And we've got actually some really nice little videos about pitching your tent on our Joe Brown Outdoor Academy. Right. Um, so I'll pop those links in the show notes because that's critical to a good night's sleep. Tunnel tents are pretty much as it says on the packet. They're a tunnel of hoops, if you like, um, to uh, offer you a high space to weight ratio very very easy to pitch and you can often pre-clip the inner and the outer so they go up in one go which is great if you're moving pitch every day um, you can also just use the outer on their own um, mm. in a bush so if you've got lots of people suddenly you need to get into shelter just pop the outer up no problem uh, and then geodesic tents um, they've got two or more poles with five or more crossing points um, if they've got fewer than five they are semi-geodesic, you keeping up? <laughs> no, it's made my eyes go funny. Just made... <laughs> uh, which are lighter, not as strong. Um, but geodesic are, without question, the strongest kind of, uh, of tent design. So they're ideal for anyone camping in wild weather or, or heading off on expedition. And I guess with 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 that 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 sort of those explanations that you've gone through there, I guess we're talking about the, the kind of tent where you're carrying on your back and there's a few of you gonna be sleeping in it rather than a family camping expedition somewhere yeah. in Snowdonia or, yeah. or the Lake District or something like that. Because yeah, that, that the the whole pole thing that just made me think, hang on a minute, well, what about new the new the light airbeam technology is just phenomenal now for camping yeah. for camping holidays. It's I, it's blown my mind the few times I've seen I've seen that and used that. You know, you just like Pump, pump them up and suddenly there's a tent there ready ready for you rather than faffing with poles so yeah we're, we're at the we're at the sort of moving with it in a on in a backpack yeah. style tents yeah 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 I mean you, you've got um I mean the whole family camping and the glamping area of tents is is mind-boggling yeah a whole other world yeah. I mean, we've, we've embraced that as a family I have to say yeah, um, <laughs> yeah well yeah what a surprise yeah market <laughs> yeah market yes please we, we went all out when the kids were small we just went for a trailer tent and it was, yeah. it was so huge they could ride their pedal bikes around it. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think we've had this conversation before. I had the same when we when we were kids. And then when Eleanor was small, we had one as well. We bought a second-hand 80s one for yeah. 400 quid or something. It was yeah. amazing. They are, they are. They're awesome. But uh, sleeping under cotton um, is just wonderful. I far prefer it to nylon or poly, polyester. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just lovely. But, oh, my word, trying to dry the things after you've come yeah. back from a wet holiday. Um, and that goes the same if you have a bell tent, one of the lovely, you know, the traditional glamping bell tents. They're so yeah, easy. Yeah. Um, but any form of large tent, you really, before you buy, tip to the wide. I've had a lot of customers come in complaining about this, where they bought huge, the hugest tent possible, uh, come home from a trip. They've not had the space to dry it. So yeah. it's it's gone mildewed, you know. Well, yeah, you, that's it. You, you, need, you need a football field to dry it on, basically, <laughs> don't you? And most, yeah, most of us don't have anywhere near that space. Well, that, yeah, that's an important thing, though, because what, yeah, what's 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 the difference between the different uh, uh, materials that tents are made of? Then, so 
Yeah, well, well cotton, um, that's obviously the traditional material. Um, ideal if weight isn't an issue, but um, uh, I've still got, um, I, yeah, I still go shivery at having to carry a wet force 10 for my DV yeah, yeah. <laughs> for days and days. Um, they do get exceptionally heavy when they're wet. Um, but basically, cotton fibres simply absorb the water and they expand. So that seals the fabric. And that's why if you actually push against it, that's why water will come through. Um, but because the, the fabric itself isn't waterproof, but it does just its natural way that it deals with water. It keeps water out. Um, so but it can mold very quickly um, if it's stored when wet. Um, you yeah. can kill the molds. There's products you can use to kill the mold. There's products you can use to reproof your cotton tent as well. Um, but once that mold is there visually, you can't get rid of it. So you can kill it, but once it's there visually, it, it looks green. And There's got to be a stain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nylon and polyester fabrics, um, both lightweight and, and durable synthetic um, fabrics used in lightweight tents, um, really easy to care for. Um, but they do still, it is really important to keep them dry, even if you've got sort of wet, damp grass. Um, they might not mildew, but they will miff badly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh, uh nylon um has got really good resistance to abrasion to fungi as well insects chemicals and uh, and mildew and it can be made to a really lightweight both nylon and polyester use can use a ripstop um method of construction so if you look at uh, quality tent fabric it'll have a grid on it and that grid is a mixture of thin fibres and thicker fibres. So if you get a tear or a rip, um, the end of that tear will only go to the next major um, line. So you end up with a square. It's not uncommon to see a square rip. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that works a treat. You can just bang, bang some tape on it, no problem. Um, polyester is actually heat resistant and it's UV resistant as well. So if you're going to altitude or you'd be camped on a glacier, um, then go for a polyester fly sheet. Um, it stretches a lot less than nylon as well. So um, when it wet, if you come back to your tent when it's wet and it's all saggy, that's because the fabric's expanded. Just adjust your guy lines. Um, you can, um, before now, when we've been on long trips, we've actually popped some uh, bungee cord um, on the end of our guy lines attached to the tent. And that just allows for that shrinkage and that expansion in uh, wet and, or hot weather as well. Right, well. um, so there's lots of little um, additional bits and pieces you can you can you can do, um, but uh, lots, of, lots of extra faff in this. You've oh, said lovely, yeah, yeah. Is that, yeah. That, that, yeah. yeah. Tinkering, loads of, tinkering loads of with the tent. <laughs> Once it's erect, you start faffing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So the, yeah, there. Yeah, and then how, is, yeah, the, you've mentioned like the waterproofness uh, quite quite a few times within that. And the, yeah, what is is there is there a more waterproof one than others? Is that is yes. cotton more waterproof, for example? Or well, um, cotton. It's not obvious. Um, no, I think the the hydrostatic head is um, is it's like a laboratory test, um, and you'll see that some tents are more waterproof. Than others um it's the age old you know the higher quality the item the more water it will keep out and you'll find the hydrostatic head quoted on the ground sheet should be a lot higher than the fly sheet because obviously a ground sheet you're going to be sitting there's pressure pushing down into the ground um for, for water to come through so you've got your fabric and you've got the chemical coating on the back of the fabric um that acts as the barrier 
for water. That, that is what your waterproof fabric is. Um, the hydrostatic head measures the pressure, if you like, of water when it might push through that fabric. So the thicker the coating, the higher the hydrostatic head. And, uh, but of course, the thicker the coating, the higher the hydrostatic head, the lower the breathability. Um, yeah. And that's where condensation issues um, uh, can come in. So it's really important to look at the hydrostatic head measurement to give you an idea of the waterproofness of the fabric, but you also need to check the quality of this um, seaming uh, sorry, the taping on the seams as well, because that's your weakness. That's where water's going to mm. come through. Um, sometimes I'm not too sure if this still happens, but years ago you used to get um, mat pack tents in particular, and they used to be shipped with a seam sealant. And you had to, when you got your tent, you put it up and then you sealed your seams when it right. arrived. Oh, okay. um, uh, I, I, to be fair, I don't know if that's still the case, but um, you can buy seam sealant. So if your tent's a little old, um, and you're going out on a trip, you don't want it to fail, you can just put it up, splodge it on, all your seams, get them lovely and sealed, and, uh, and that'll just make sure your tent is, uh, is, is watertight. So if, yeah, if, you, if you've got water coming through somewhere, you can use tape or you can use seam sealant. And there's also proofing agents as well for nylon and polyester tents too. Well, and that and, and that that whole conversation there, that line of conversation is exactly the same to me as, as with your waterproof jackets, isn't it? They do, your tent does need maintenance. It yeah. does need that re reproofing on a regular basis. It does need that. Oh, hang on a minute, where's that water coming from? Is it condensation, or have I got a problem somewhere else? Yeah. Um, and what what sort of tape would you use on on on, on it then? Is it? You, there's all sorts. I mean, we've got a little section in each shop, each of our shops, and it's they, we sell tape, we sell zip pullers, we sell buckles, we sell. Um, we've got so many tent spares; <laughs> it's impossible to uh, to keep up. Sliders, um, you name it. Um, we, we've uh, we've almost certainly got it. Uh, if yeah. it's not on the website, give us a call or, or drop into the shops, and um, uh, and we'll find something that, that can do the job. And poles, poles as well. If a pole breaks, you know, often a tent will come with a little emergency pole sleeve. You just put that over your brake, tape it up. It means you can spend a night out. And you can get down to the shop and you can get a replacement pole section as well. Um, just because part of your tent breaks uh, doesn't mean you have to bin the whole thing. Yeah, it's almost certainly something that can be done to help repair it, uh, keep it out of the landfill for as long as possible and just keep your investment working for you for as long as possible as well. Well, no, and then you get the, yeah, the, the that, it's that bizarre thing with all kit, isn't it? You get that attachment to your tent because you are, yeah. it's because it's like Trigger's Broom, isn't it? Trigger's yeah. Broom, was it Trigger? I thought, yeah, I feel like the horses. It had so many different heads and so many different uh, uh, handles for it. But yeah, it is, you've replaced so many bits that yeah. it's still, it's still yeah. your tent. Well, they, they have their own smell as well, you know. When yeah, I got yeah. this one out, I mean, we haven't used this for a long, long time, but uh, when I got it out, I was just transported straight away to our, our high camp it was not far off 5,000 meters the absolute silence of the Himalayas snow um sitting there just with just massive grinnings on our faces feeling awful but just looking out at the vista uh, that was in front of us that so few people ever yeah, see yeah. um and the sunset was just exquisite um and yeah all that just came back when i when i just kind of smelt <laughs> i like that go on have a sniff <laughs> have a sniff you know, you're desperate to have another sniff but well yeah and, and 
polls then uh, polls are polls yeah you know i mean i guess everyone or most most people will just go with the poll that comes with the tent as well but uh there's i guess there's different different strengths of polls there's going to be different uh yeah the, the different properties that the poll has which you might or might not have might not want i guess in some respects yeah i think i mean it, it normally depends on the quality of the tent that you you're looking at um a lot of basic tents will have a fiberglass pole um which you know they do the job but they're they're not up to um sort of sustained high winds um but uh, they they do provide the structural support for your tent and um, there is a huge amount of science involved in, in creating them um, but your fiberglass poles are, are there as the most sort of cost effective option they're not as strong as aluminium or carbon poles um, some aluminium pole manufacturers uh, like DAC they make a lot of poles for, for a, a lot of lightweight tents that we sell um, but they make aluminium poles with a more environmentally friendly anodization process um, eliminating some of the major toxic chemicals um, as the anodization liquid is reused so that's an environmental positive yeah. um, and then aluminium poles offer fantastic strength um, but they are generally heavier than carbon poles, which uh, are sort of just making an appearance, high quality carbon poles. Um, they've got a layered construction, making them extremely strong, very, very flexible, and they're the lightest option. Um, so they're, they're, the, they're like the Gucci, Gucci poles of the tent. Oh, right, well. okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if I was wanting to replace my tent poles generally, where, where would you recommend that I, I went to? Where would, is there, is there somewhere that you'd think, well, yeah, I'd, I'd go to... I, I always see, is it um, LSR down in Lancashire that do loads of tent, loads of kit repairs and stuff like um, that? They do it? kit repairs. I'm not sure they sell. If, if you need a pole section, we sell them. Um, right. oh, oh, if brilliant. you need a full set of poles, if you've lost poles, for your tent, um, perhaps, um, then Very you, can careless, very careless. you can get those as well. Right. Um, uh, so uh, we did have a customer whose tent, blew away in the wind uh, it was a geodesic tent and they didn't do up the zips uh, when uh, they put the inner up um the wind just took it and off it went it literally went it, they lost it in the clouds yeah <laughs> um that was uh, 500 pounds worth of tent 20 years ago <laughs> just dis just disappeared into the <laughs> distance yeah it got it back it was found in a tree actually in langdale and uh, <laughs> brought it in <laughs> to be completely repaired and we've got it repaired but it's an expensive um, episode um yeah yeah if a uh, note to all listeners when you're putting your geodesic tent up make sure it's pegged <laughs> well i was just i was just going to say exactly that, that yeah that, so peg, pegs is an important thing which we've sort of brush glossed over so uh, until now so i've my super lightweight tent has some amazing titanium pegs um but the light needles I don't, I don't understand how, how they keep anything in the ground. But uh, admittedly, my son, we were on a camping trip with my son and they, it, it, was, it was a little bit windy. They stayed overnight. Uh, I stayed all night. But they, they were they're ridiculous. They're just like tight, tiny yeah. little needles, uh, as opposed to the massive stone pegs, which I'm a huge fan of for all sorts of reasons. Um, and that, I guess not all tents are going to come with the amount of pegs that you need to fully peg down that tent, are they? No, um, again, um, it's uh, manufacturers, um, design and make their tents, but they've no clue where you're going to pitch your tent over your tent's lifetime. Um, so uh, you'll find that um, you, you may need to add to your collection accordingly over yeah. time. Um, we stock over 
30 different types of temp pegs, everything from the, the little two gram titanium ultras that you were just describing, yeah. right through to steel nails that can be hammered into uh, like the, the red gra campsite pitches favored on the continent. We've got uh, triangular ones, we've got swizzly ones, V-shaped ones, Y-shaped ones, T-shaped ones. Um, there's stakes for camping in snow. There's shovels for camping on sand. Um, where you're going deciphers what peg will work best for you. And it probably won't be. If you're going somewhere specific, it probably won't be the ones that came with the tent. Um, yeah, yeah. Just add to your collection with glee. <laughs> Yeah. And, and sooner or later some of them are going to get bent anyway aren't they so it's yeah yeah well except the massive fat stone stone beasts that we are yeah that we have um what yeah the care so you've, you've mentioned tent care and storage as well so what was the best way to start star you star your tent well it's kind of going back to um when you were camping with school or, or scouts or, or guides um it, it's remembering that it is really the basic camp floor you know keep your tent dry keep it aired um wipe it clean of um, mud and grass on the underside make sure that's dry too before you pack it away empty your pockets <laughs> inside your tent yeah. uh, nobody wants to unroll your tent in the summer to find last year's cereal bar minging and stuck together in the corner um sometimes there's just no way back from that so uh yeah empty your tent it's just keep it dry keep it clean keep it stored somewhere dark and um uh, uh and dry and um and it'll it'll last and last and last this little one here has been used on a couple of different expeditions and it is 25 years old um i did a uh sort of a solo trip um a couple of years ago and uh, used my original saunders space packer made in the uk that's oh that's touching 32 years old um only now it's been relegated to lovely weather use now because it's getting uh, delicate in its old age but i can't bear to get rid of it <laughs> bless yeah yeah bless <laughs> and and oh yeah one one of the one of the things that you, you you mentioned about the one that you're you're sat in at the moment was the purple and why why is why would colour of your tent be important to, oh, to colour. Be out and about? Sorry, colour's vital in. actually. Um, so if you're on a trip and you just want to blend in, you don't want to be seen, uh, maybe you're doing a bit of wild camping. Um, uh, maybe you're just in an area where you don't want to stand out. Green is the way forward. Um, if you're stuck in that tent for any form uh, of, of time, it can be quite dull and dark. Uh, and quite depressing. Um, we had a, our favourite tent actually of all time, a wild country hyperspace, and we had one of those in yellow and grey, and it was so cheery, even on a, like a wet morning, and it was still nice and cheery inside. And you're just like, oh, mm. oh, oh, a bit rainy. Oh well, <laughs> off I go. Mm, okay. Um, well. It just lifts your mood. Um, from a safety point of view, um, if you're camping in harsh weather conditions, then an orange or a red. High, visible, high visibility colour means that you can find your tent, um, which, which can be exceptionally important if you're coming back down after a, a hard day and if you're in snow yeah. conditions or blizzard conditions, having that um, red and that orange as high visibility to guide you home is uh, uh, imperative. Yeah, or I guess other people can find you if, if yes, absolutely if needs, if needs yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, 
uh, yeah, loads of loads and loads and loads of exciting things to talk about with um, with tents. We could go on and on and on and on. Um, and uh, as you mentioned, yeah, there's stacks of stuff in, in this in the stores. So if you if you are looking at buying a tent, yeah, but feel free to go go along and have a chat to this the, the yeah, new, new staff. Yeah, yeah, we can help narrow it down. We can pop tents up so you can see them. Yeah. Um, there's loads of additional information in the knowledge section on our Joe Brown Outdoor Academy. There's, yeah, there's sort of, if you, if you are shopping for a tent, key questions to ask yourself are where am I going? Uh, when am I going? What terrain will I need to pitch on? You know, that'll answer your questions about shape and what sort of season you need, what sort of um, additional things you might need to buy, like pegs. Um, do you need a footprint, which is like a ground sheet protector? Um, those are worth the weight in gold because uh, it's just a piece of fabric you put underneath. You can make one if you want out of a piece of old bivy, uh, plastic bivy bag, or you can buy one that's ready made and it fits the entire thing and, and clips into your poles. Um, uh, ground sheet is obviously a very expensive part of your tent and uh, that will work to protect it for, and you can just replace that um from rocks or indeed molds we had a mole try and dig up underneath our lovely uh, space we hadn't had it very long and the uh yeah yeah we had <laughs> what is that and uh, the thing was trying to push up underneath the tent and its little claws scraped holes in our ground sheet. Oh, no, no. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah that was depressing so uh, you can get uh, gear lofts as well for, uh, like my husband and I he's super tidy and I'm not um we just have a gear loft that clips up in the roof of the tent and anything that I've lost he normally finds and puts it up there so that's what right, I look right. first oh one top tip actually with poles in particular they are shock corded the temptation is to just sort of throw them out so that they just click together themselves very quickly that can can over time cause stress fractures and you'll need to replace them so if you do actually take the time just to place your shock cold shock corded poles together i'm doing a mine here which no one can see yeah, yeah, yeah. then uh, that will um help your poles last for a lot lot longer okay so that is a that is top tip that one isn't it? i like that one as well as with loads of them obviously so yeah, we just we'll, we're into less than a minute of this this one. So I think we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll sign we'll sign off there for for this one. So that has been tense erection of erections of all sizes. I don't think we got the erection count up quite as high. Uh, as no, we might no, no, no. We should have should have had a little um, triangle, shouldn't I? <laughs> dis- disappointing lack of erection, erections there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you, and everything you've got buyers guides on, like you said, on the climber shop and Joe Brown on the, uh, on the websites. For four tents as well. Yeah, we've got the um, all of the tents. Our whole range is available on www.climbers-shop.com, and then loads and loads of knowledge on www.joebrownoutdooracademy.com. Okay, I'll call you back.